3: Nick Maton, the batter, he's 0 for 1. Walking a walk strikeout tonight, the pitch. Maton swings, lines it to right, coming on for it, and it goes under the glove of Ward, and now it goes all the way to the wall. JT around third, he's going to come home and score, and around the third goes Maton, as Ward came in, tried to lean over and make the catch, he didn't, it gets under his glove, and it's another run home to the
1: Phillies, and an 8 0 Phillies lead. Was last night when everything went perfectly and the Phils, um went at ten to nothing. Although I guess Maton did get hurt later. Todd Zalecki, our friend from MLB.com, joins us. Todd, any update on Maton early this morning?
0: Uh, not this morning, but he got an X-ray yesterday after the game. They called it a right shoulder sprain. That was an SP sprain. Um, he's going to get a MRI today, um, but he had difficulty uh, raising his shoulder, um, his his arm over his head last night, just getting dressed and just, nice. you know, just moving in general. So he landed on it. He landed on it pretty good. Now, he said he did not feel pop or, or anything like that. But, um, I mean, I would be surprised if he's back out there tonight. All right. Well, let, let's talk about the
1: manager. Um, Rob Thompson was asked yesterday, I think you asked the question, how he <laughs> will be different from Joe Girardi and... Uh, maybe he gave a little hint or two, but you've been around this club and you've seen him since what twenty eighteen, I believe, as the bench coach. How do you think he might be different?
0: Well, I he, I, I think the big thing, and that's that's why I asked that question because I you know I said like you know do you pitch Corey Canable on that Tuesday in Atlanta because that was to me a huge huge loss. You know Bryce Harper hits that home run, you're about to steal a game in Atlanta. Win the first two games of that four game series. And then you're very rigid in how you use your closer who wants to pitch and then you don't pitch them. Then you lose. Um, so the fact that he says it's June, um, you know, I'm going to be, o- I'm definitely open to it. And, you know, so I think in that sense, he's going to be more open to kind of going for the jugular jugular there. You know, like I understand if it's early in the season, and the team is playing well, maybe you protect Corey Knebel at that time, but when things are going bad, I think you have to go for it. So I think Rob is going to be more open to that. The other difference I thought, which was interesting, is that, and Dave alluded to this, and and Rob al- talked about this a little bit as well, that he's really going to make a point to go through the clubhouse often and talk to the players often. Um, I saw that a lot with Charlie Manuel when he was here. Uh, he was always in the clubhouse, walking through, come up to guys, and even just a, a dumb comment or silly comment. Yep. Charlie was in there a lot didn't see it a lot with Joe now in fairness wasn't in the clubhouse the last two years with Joe so I don't know how often he was in there but this year the times I was in there this year and then spring training as well didn't see him in there a lot so maybe he's going to try to make more of a connection with the guys not saying that there was a clubhouse problem so to speak but maybe just be a little bit more in tune with the players what they want what they like what they don't like Rob said as much yesterday.
3: Todd, I know it's more difficult for you as you just noted. You're not in the clubhouse the way you used to be, so I know that's where you used to be able to judge stuff like vibe, like feeling, like emotion. And you got to wait till the game starts and then be able to judge from that. Well, ten nothing, pretty good first vibe and emotion for the team. Um, how do you go about judging that? Can you get a feel? I know you're allowed on the field before the game, which isn't the same as being in the clubhouse. How do you get the feeling over the next, yeah, couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months, that the vibe on the Phillies has improved? Yeah, so, you know, we are
0: fortunately now we're back in there a little bit pregame and obviously postgame. Now we can go back in there. So we get that little that little snapshot of what it's like. Um, I mean, there was more energy yesterday, but in talking to the players postgame, you know, they won 10 nothing, <laughs> And I've always been a believer, guys, that, you know, Charlie Manuel said this all the time. Anytime they went through a, a dead stretch offensively, we would go, Man, you guys look like you're flat. Looks like you guys have no energy. He goes, Yeah, we have nobody on base. <laughs> of course, you're going to look like you're flat and have no energy. So I feel like there was some of that there. The offense wasn't doing what it was supposed to do, so the team looked flat. Um, but I think the, the change that was made. Could motivate these guys a little bit, maybe snap them out of the funk. I, you know, I asked Nick Castellanos that. I said, Do you think this could serve as a kick in the butt for you guys? And he said, Yeah, I hope so because a guy just lost his job. And so that tells us that things aren't going well. I, they, I mean, they knew things weren't going well, but now because of their play, a, a guy lost his job. So I, I think that can maybe be provide a, a potential spark. I don't know how long it lasts, but. You know, it, it, it could provide a little bit of a spark going into a schedule that really kind of eases up the next couple of weeks.
1: We're talking to Todd Zalecki of MLB. dot com. Follow him on Twitter at Todd Zalecki. And, and I'm asking you to interpret. Right, a lawyer would tell me that uh, I, I'm not allowed to do this, but do you think they feel <laughs> bad that they cost him his job? Do they care that they cost him his job?
0: Yeah, I do. I do. Um, it, this wasn't a situation where they were chomping chomping at the bit to get Joe out of there and they're like oh my gosh thank God now we can finally relax and play like the way we're cable play for playing like you know I've covered you know managers where players griped a lot and I I, I didn't get that sense um, from Joe so I, you know I think
1: yeah but that sounds not, neutral like okay we didn't hate right? Him, but did right, they yeah, did right. they I, I like
0: think, him I think it, I, I think they were I think they they definitely respected him as a baseball guy um, I think they liked him, but it, and I, I wrote this a little bit yesterday. Joe was not going to be confused for Charlie. Like I said, like he, he wasn't a hangout, joke around, chit chat, pat a guy in the back, you know, make, again, like Charlie was, Charlie was great with just silly jokes. And I know people are going to like, what does, what does that have to do with it? But just that connecting aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I don't think Joe had that, does, Joe does not have that type of personality. He didn't have that type of personality with us. I mean, not that that matters, but Charlie could just sit there and talk to you and tell a hilarious story. Joe really wasn't that guy. Joe was all business. So, in that sense, maybe it loosens these guys up.
3: Todd, Glenn asked me, first segment today, um, is this a change for change's sake, or are they still actually very much in this thing? Well, the standings stay they are. They're only three games out of that third wild card spot. Dombrowski pulled the plug on Girardi yesterday. We'll see if there are early returns with Rob Thompson, but this team needs to do more. And there is a glaring hole in center field. Is that Dombrowski's next next step? He took a a shot with the manager and we'll see what Rob Thompson can deliver. Are the Phillies going to double down and be aggressive and try and fill a major hole like center field? Well,
0: you know, I, I think it depends how they come out of these next few weeks. Uh, you know they they play these next two against the Angels then they go to Milwaukee which is a very good team but then after that i think like they play 13 games in a row against losing teams bad teams so if they get on a roll there and now all of a sudden they're a little bit closer to the Giants even if they're not at 500 cuz they are they are buried pretty deep you'd have to go on a heck of a run to pull out of uh you know to get over 500 in a couple weeks but i think if they start showing some life the offense starts rounding into shape then I think you could see Dave sit there and go, "Okay, how can we address our deficiencies? Which you know they have a lot of them. Um, one of them possibly being being center field. Um, one of them uh, being the bullpen. You know, so they they have some they have some maneuvers to do, but they have to prove it. They have to go out and prove it.
1: All right. One of them being center field. One of them being the bullpen. Todd, we've been talking now for a few years. I believe that exact sentence has come up in every one of those conversations over <laughs> the last." Over many years, which which gets me to a point. Um, Jim Salisbury asked a, a really good question yesterday at the news conference of Dave Dombrowski, and he said, is this probably systemic? They drafted three outfielders in the first round, and none have made it, which is why they need to sign those free agents. The last four managers have all been under five hundred; None of them made the playoffs. So maybe the issue more than the manager is scouting and development. I mean, I, I hope Moniak makes it, but uh, it's just it's a hope and a prayer. They've been through the parade of center fielders already this year. You know, we are seeing right. O'Double. Is is the Phillies' problem? This is the easiest question you'll get asked this week. Is the Phillies' problem one of they're hiring the wrong managers, or they have a systemic problem?
0: I think it's a systemic problem, and I think it. Uh, you know, like it, it's easy to somebody had to take the fall, so it had to be Joe Girardi. Just like it had to be Gabe Kapler, then what happens? Gabe Kapler goes to San Francisco with a really well real, uh, front office that that has drafted and developed players well, and he wins 107 games last year. I don't think Gabe just suddenly became a good manager. Just like I don't think Terry Francona suddenly became a good manager once he got the Red Sox. He went. He joined an organization that was just better positioned to win. Um, I think a lot of this problem, and I've you know I, I've been listening. Um, uh, the, the past, you know, I, I, listen all the time to WIP and I hear a lot of people say it's John Middleton. Is it, uh, you know, it's, it's Dave Dombrowski and, uh, for, for constructing this roster. It's Joe Girardi. It's, you know, it's Reese Hoskins, whatever, right? Um, to me, this all goes back to Andy McPhail and, and the rebuild that he bungled, uh, beginning in 2015. He really set this organization back. Um, you know, when, when Ruben lost his job, when Andy took over, I'm telling you, every person in baseball said, now that's a team I would like to be a GM for. I mean, the Phillies are at the beginning of a rebuild, so they're going to have a ton of high draft picks. And then, you know, John Milton is going to spend a boatload of money, uh, to, to kind of fill in the gaps wherever they may be. Now that's the best job in baseball right now. Phillies GM Well, Andy McPhail hires Matt Klintak. And then he basically takes his hand off the wheel and, and just lets this thing kind of run aground, and so they they don't draft well, they don't develop well, um, they don't do a great job uh, making trades, signing free agents, Sands, you know Bryce Harper, Zach Wheeler, etc. And now Dave Dombrowski comes in and he's he's looking around, going like, "Where do I start?" Uh, so I think there's a lot of that. Like there's only he only has so much money and only so many moves he can make because he has such a bad farm system to deal with. And so that's why I think they're in this, this bad position at the R's because they really messed up that rebuild, uh, beginning in 2015 with Andy McPhail.
3: All right, Todd, let me get real narrow-focused with you. One player who kind of fits into what you were just discussing. They uh, signed Francisco Morales as a very young pitcher, develop him, bring him through the system, five years in the minor leagues, gets off to a really good start at Reading, issues in the bullpen. They kind of force-feed him up to the big leagues. He pitches a game in Seattle where he looks like a killer. The slider is just blowing people away. Three strikeouts in two innings. He gets into a second game against the Dodgers. Did hold on and get the save, even though he walked three guys. Uh, But he did get the last out, which was necessary. And then he's gone. They just sent him out. They had to clear a roster spot to get Eflin back from the COVID list. He's back down in the minor leagues. I've seen enough of Connor Brogdon. I've seen enough of Norwood. Why isn't this kid in the big leagues right now? Great. Question, I could not agree with you more. <laughs>
0: I, you know, Morales is is a, he has the potential to be a big-time relief pitcher. And for me, I've seen, you know, enough of James Norwood to say, let's give Morales a shot. You know, he's got a wipeout slider. He's got a good fastball. I, I, I think he is a late future late-inning reliever type of guy, maybe even better than that. And so, yeah, I, I'm in. I'm in 100 agreement. When things aren't going well, you know, he had a little bit of command issues that game in LA. But you know, it was a, it was a second. It was a second big league appearance. So, um, you know, in Reading this season, he has struck out a boatload of hitters, and he hasn't really walked that many. He's been he's been pretty good with his command. So, I I say bring him up. Uh, you know, and and hopefully sooner rather than later.
1: All right, um, Todd. I, I apparently. I was unaware of this, but Andy McPhail is on line four. He had something he wanted to say to you.
3: If we don't, we don't.
1: Exactly yeah.
3: right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean that. Yep. You know, I, I think people forget about. Um, and, and listen, like you know, Dave Dave Dombrowski. You know, he signed a couple of corner outfielders that are really DHs. You know, the defense is a huge issue. It's been an issue like that for ten years. But you have to remember. You know, I'm not excusing him or anything like that. You know, they have to do a better job with roster construction, but they really set back to the organization a long time with the way they drafted and developed talent and the way they made trades and, and, and all that stuff. All
1: right. Last uh, question, because as you know, you can pretty much now bet almost anything, any kind of futures you want. I want to take all my money and I want to go uh, bet online as to who is the next Phillies manager Todd Zalecki, I trust your judgment on all of these things. Who is I, – I assume that, you know, the rest of the year we get Thompson. Who mm-hmm. is the Phillies manager on opening day 2023?
0: Oh, man, that is a fantastic question. And I have not I, – I would really have to think about that, Glenn, and I, I don't have an answer for you right now. It, You're deferring depends. on me. I, I'm going to defer on you. I really couldn't say – who that might be um, coming up through the rank. You know, it could be like a, a hot bench coach of that. Teams I always seen to poach guys like that. Maybe, hey, you know what? Somebody asked me this yesterday. If, if the Phillies play well and they make the playoffs, it's obviously to Rob Thompson. But what if they play well enough to come close? Maybe they give Rob Rob Thompson another shot. It'll be interesting right,
1: to see. That's that's. I guess that's what I'll bet on my money on. All right,
0: uh, Todd Zulecki. Thank you so much. By
1: the way, Todd is the author of the terrific best-selling biography Doc: The Life of Roy Halladay. Um, I read it and thought it was terrific. Todd it seems like Father's Day's
0: coming up. Might be a good gift. Absolutely. Yeah, you can go to uh, buytodzulecki I'll even sign it and send it to you and personalize it for your dad.
1: There you go, Todd. Great stuff. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. There you go. Todd Zielecki. Jody, your takeaway?
3: I'm with him. Um, I understand as fans we always want to be looking at the big picture and looking down the road. Let's see if Rob Thompson can get the 2-0 before we start to figure out who's going to be the Phillies manager yeah, in I 2023. I just, you know, got to throw that in there. Oh, I know. Because that, that's what the fans want to know. I, it's a very good question because uh, we're playing for the fans, but maybe it's because I, I am rooting for Rob Thompson as wholeheartedly as I am. I want to be able to root for him and go, yeah, he's going to be the manager for more than just uh, 110 games or whatever the Phillies got left this year.
1: By the way, when you looked at him yesterday, you watched, the thing on, you watched it on TV, or you've seen him before. Sure. I, I saw this a little bit, and then some people we know started talking about this on social media. Uh, old-time actor that you would know that he looks like. Really? Yeah, you uh, want to take a look at him during the break? Study um... the picture?
3: Yeah, nothing, right, we'll come back nothing popped up to me. The only thing that popped up to me was, and as I mentioned, I talked to my father yesterday because he's a Robbie guy and knows him well and wanted to talk about what he could do for the Phillies and everything else. I asked him, was his nickname always Topper? Because Dabrowski called him that like three times.
1: Yeah, I never heard that, yeah.
3: I had never heard that either, so I thought maybe my father knew. He said, Topper, what are you talking about? I said, well, Dombrowski called him Topper three times. He goes, I didn't hear that. I watched the press conference. I said, Dad, at least I can, I, I know what I heard. So he asks Virginia, my stepmom, and she goes, oh, yeah, they called him Topper three times. My father goes, I guess I got to pay. I guess my hearing is going. I'm not hearing what I used to hear. And Topper? Yeah, that um,
1: I didn't know. Uh, I also, th- several people reached out to me and th- and thought he was, the second baseman from the Giants back in the 90s, and he's not that Robbie Thompson.
3: Oh, different Robbie Thompson, yes. Right. Uh, No relation. (laughs) Right.
1: Uh, But do me a favor. Take a look during the break and see if he looks like anybody. And if anybody sees it, I'll invite you to call in. 215-592-9494. Might be a bit of a stretch, but it, like, ran through my mind, and then on social media I saw it a lot, so I thought, yeah, maybe he does. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll give a peek. All right, 215-592-9494. And coming up is one of my favorite features that I started doing with Ray, and I have Ray's blessing to continue with what we're watching. And the great thing this week is you and I are watching the same series.
3: Yes. We'll you, you, you tuned me onto to it. I didn't know it. We spoke earlier in the week, and I think I've officially moved ahead of you watching more episodes. just means i got more time in the middle of my days than you do. <laughs>
1: i don't know 215-592-9494 jody mcdonald glenn macknow saturday morning on 94 wip
2: we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof